Hello, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. My name is Billy Newman. And I am Diggity Dave Swanson. You got it, Dave. And Dave's back again to uh, do another podcast with me, uh, trying to talk about a couple of things that are going on in photography. Uh, I think chat about a couple Instagram stories that are out there or Instagram uh, photos that I liked and see what uh, what you're up to, man. So what have you been doing? Oh, man, not a whole lot. Uh, today was one of my first days off in a while. And, first uh, days off. Yeah, I just played some of that new Fallout 4, but I also installed some... Oh, it's uh, fantastic! If you're if you're a fan of the game series, um, in my opinion, it's it's the best out of all of them so far, which is which is great because there was a lot of hype to it, and I think it, it lives up to most, if not all, of it. That's sweet, man. That's cool. What um, what's the storyline? Or like, has it changed much from Fallout like one through now? Well, so each each yes, definitely has. Um, the first two were a uh, turn based strategy game so you, you only got to move your guy like you know eight hexagons or whatever um but it was still a lot of fun the story behind it was really rich um you it, you, yeah. you really got immersed in this atmosphere um there was one called fallout tactics which was same concept but like you were still above everybody looking down but like they moved in real time so that kind of made it yeah, great okay. and then the, yeah the third one came out um and then they did that first person. Okay, uh, so that's when it switched to the first person mode. Because I remember when that came yeah. out, like when all the that the next generation of consoles came out. Or yeah, I, I think that was two thousand six. Wow, thereabouts, maybe two thousand nine, somewhere in there. But yeah, okay, that's okay. when that's when it all changed. But there had been uh, quite a bit of dead time. I think the the time between the the second game and the third game was like twelve years or something, which is a lot. Wow. In, in video game time, yeah. So it's a lot of time in, in video game time. Yeah. But, so it just came but out. It, the two, but like, yeah, the fourth one just came out. That's cool. Like and in time I, for the holidays, ready for Black that's, Friday. Absolutely, that's why they do it. <laughs> but uh, I guess it hit twelve million its first day. Twelve million purchases. Twelve, 12 million purchases. Yeah, and its first day or first week, something wow. like that. Wait, how many dollars is for, that? That's like sixty bucks a game, right? Oh, at least, yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's like that's why they make more than movies <laughs> do now. Yeah, oh yeah. That's Absolutely. why it's like a hundred million dollar weekend opening for a video game. Oh my gosh, that's it's crazy. Two thousand fifteen, man. There well, you go. what's great about it is, I mean, I don't mean to go off on a tangent, no, let's about do it. It, but like, yeah, it's um, it's ju- it's like a movie. It's just like a movie. It's got like. You go into this one system called VATS and you target whoever you want. Yeah. And then you you execute that that specific you know set of shots. Right. And it you know it'll go into slow time. It'll go into bullet time. It'll like there was one scene I remember, just like it showed me firing and then the bullet like slowly <laughs> going into the guy's face and it, like it just felt great and it's it's really your own movie though. Like I've done so many things where it's like it was movie esque. Like just the other day. I was getting chased by a, a giant super mutant that, you know, this guy's like 20 feet tall. Naturally. And he's, he threw like a rock and I jumped over a car and it hit the car and like pushed me into like underneath this underpass and a bridge. Yeah. And he ran up to the car, I guess, thinking <laughs> I was there. It exploded, uh, almost killed him. And then, but like it had broken both of my legs. And so <laughs> I, I shot him a couple more times and then like I killed him and that was it. It was like, me with my broken legs and him like hunched over this exploded car. And like, it was just, it was such a cool moment, but, and, and everyone has their own different moments. Uh, a lot of guys at work I talk with who play it, you know, they're, they'll tell me, you know, their stories of, yeah. of a scenario like that. And it's just, it's the same game, but we all have absolutely different experiences. So that's, I think that's what really gets at those big bucks too, is it's, it's a, it's a create your own movie. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm totally with you, man. I think for the last ten years, there's there's really been that move into these really cool narrative experiences that you can have with video games, and you can't really have those, um, or you can't be as immersed in those in, in the other ways that we've had previously to that. And I think it's really cool that now we're kind of seeing the progression of that art form of, of bringing you into this really immersive environment that you get to experience. Yeah, absolutely. And then you know, same too as the graphics get better and stuff. It 
you know, it starts to get more and more just, it, it it's an art. It really is a, a weird type of art. Yeah, absolutely. And, and gosh, the work that goes into it, like the, like to conceptually kind of build all that stuff and graphically mm-hmm. build it into a game is, is a complicated, interesting process. I've um, always wondered how they do that. I, it blows me away. Yeah, it blows me away too that they're able to put so much together. Um, and, and like even, especially like the older games, you know, like when you think about how much more difficult it was, how many tricks you kind of had to implement to get, to get two things to appear to be moving on the screen at the same time. You hear about like all the stories in like the classic video games, like an asteroids or something like the, you couldn't have two objects move on the screen at the same time because like the, the, the little transistor that ran the whole thing, like couldn't process that. Couldn't handle it, yeah. And you're just like, and so they had to figure out these weird little tricks to make you believe that that's what you were seeing or, or you know, to, to have overlays of like these two dimensional, um, like graphics to kind of make it look like you were, you were kind of traveling through some sort of maze or something. It's just really mm-hmm. fascinating how they, they try to put that together, uh, like mechanically how they try to code that together. Um, but it's, yeah, it's really interesting to see like how they build the video game process and then how much it's, it's progressed in the last 30 years from 1985 to now, uh, 2015, you see like just a, a huge increase in the art form. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you got to give a lot of props to those early, early nerds who were just, that's what they did was just played with light blocks, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's really crazy um, how much they've, uh, they've really dove into the, the 3d graphic market and that I think that, oh, yeah. I, want, I don't know if this is true. I, I haven't done much research in it, but I wonder like, um, you know, how many, I'd believe that the video game industry is like, f- is more responsible for employing people or being a larger industry in like 3d animation, 3d graphic animation stuff. Um, uh, then, then like the movie studio side of it would be like, if you think about all the 3d animated movies, I think yeah. there's probably more studios producing graphic content for games than there are for like the movie industry side. I've never thought of that, but I I guarantee you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, the gaming industry itself is just, it's huge. It's, yeah. it's exploded. I mean, just, just the fact that you can, you can watch tournaments now of people playing video games. Wow. Like that's, yeah. Right. That's yeah. Unbelievable. Like the, there was one recently where they won like $6 million be, or like $5 million between a five, of, you know, a team of five. And so that's, you know, that's. Whoa close to a million each minus, you know, whatever their managers and stuff are getting off that. But, you know, yeah. just, just for playing a game, just for being the best at playing a game, they got millions of dollars. It's an insane like, world now. <laughs> it's a crazy, yeah, like just huge market. You know, I was going to, oh, go ahead, Dave. I was going to say that would have been something to get in on early. Yeah. Should have been the best. If only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got to pick the next thing to get on early on. And do the best <laughs> I, I've been looking. I've it been sounds looking. so easy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to ask you, Dave, like, uh, have you looked into like the Oculus Rift stuff at much or these, these screens that go right over your eyes that kind of give you that full immersion? Have you, have you like looked into that or seen much about that? I have seen quite a bit about that. Um, I, I wouldn't say I've gone like looking for it. It's just kind of stuff I've, I've ran across, but, yeah. um, it's, it's really, it's really cool. Um, I don't know if Oculus Rift is going to be the one that makes it. You know, I don't it's kind think of it big, will be either. I think it'll yeah, be yeah. It's kind of the big Atari. Corner, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Atari was but first, but it's not still here. <laughs> <laughs> there's another one being developed now called VR, um, and I, I think it does stand for like virtual this, reality. Is that Samsung VR? I think they were like. I, Samsung's a big company, man. They've got all the screens. They've got be. all the gear. Oh, yeah. They could produce Samsung's that way better. Absolutely. Yeah. But what they're, what they're doing with it is I, I watch a, a channel called Node, and they play around with it. I think they're Sweet. actually, they're, yeah, they're like movie guys and developer guys, and they're actually making their own stuff. Oh, but cool. They've got a, yeah, they've got a game called uh, Junkers or something like that. But, it, like, you're on your, your just little hover thing. Um, <laughs> But you're looking, you know, through it through your Oculus Rift, and and you, when you're holding the the handles or whatever, it, they're your they're your guns, and so you're using your guns yeah. to like like actually aim, like you actually have to aim and shoot at people. Like it's not just moving that red dot over the target. It's like you are actually aiming that gun. Mm, and that's that, strange. Yeah, and watching them actually do it, like it's it's pretty right on and pretty accurate. And considering this is still the first you know stages of it, it's like. Yeah. We are going to be like, oh, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be a new way of gaming because I've 
honestly, I've always said like, uh, if I could actually control this gun in this game, yeah. I'd be so much better. But it's yeah. just, you know, my thumbs don't want to do that. Yeah, but thumbs my whole body, don't articulate like a body does. Yeah. And so it's going to just open, open up this whole new avenue of just these like super in shape, hopefully in shape <laughs> gamers that are, that are like the running around. And what's, gamers. what's crazy about it though is, is they, they've got like four sensors and they mount it in each corner of the room. So it's mapping the whole okay. room. Wow. And so you, you, yeah, you get freedom in that whole room as opposed to like having to move a joystick to move forward. You actually move forward. No way, man. That's um, cool. It's yeah, it's crazy stuff. So I'm excited I, for that. I think it'd be cool. I am too. I am. It's going to be <laughs> probably way beyond our price, but <laughs> it's, it's going to be. I remember um, hearing about like the ideas for, for like, a room I guess at first you would go in with like the VR goggles on but I think the idea was to make to make it kind of a screen or like a projection or something that would be around you but it was like you'd yes. walk into like a ball like a sphere and like as you would walk it would kind of like roll underneath you you know so you were always kind of on the flat spot as like a treadmill but you could kind of like move around it as like an environment I don't know if that makes sense. And then, and then you'd like have to like look around or like you could see things in the environment. It's supposed to be kind of like the first, the first idea for a hologram or like a, uh, I don't know, like a holodeck style, like place you walk into right. and like see illusions. This might be the same idea, but, um, one, one major company had, had basically that idea and it was, it would project like monsters jumping out of Whoa. whatever it sensed to be like a wall. <laughs> and, and they even had like demonstration and i i don't remember if it went super well or if it like flopped but i think just just the concept of like using your own walls uh it's cool at first but it kind of becomes gimmicky of like oh well this i'm just watching my own house again you know the walls don't change in my house yeah yeah kind of thing i thought so it was a cool you know idea at first and it, and it showed the concept of like yeah you can have these goggles project images and it would be crazy. <laughs> There's this one that I saw that I thought was kind of a cool idea, sort of like, um, and we should get into this too, but sort of like in your truck, uh, where I saw those like lights that kind of change to the music, you know, they had this, mm-hmm. uh, this like sensor and it would kind of tell like the general color at the edge of the screen of your TV, you know, like say like left and right side of the TV, like it was like green forest on like the left side and like a white, desert or something like on the right side of the tv there would be like these lights or these just like kind of basic lamps in the back of the tv and it would like cast out that same color light from the side it would like match it as the tv kind of moved and it was supposed to be kind of like this immersion sort of field around your tv that would sort of just push the color out a little past the tv i thought it was a cool idea i mean probably same thing it's sort of just design process gimmicky but i thought it was kind of a cool cool idea for uh for like a light feature that is, that's, I'd love to say that was, was that your, uh, phone buzzing? Oh, I think it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a, yeah, exactly. Just a gimmicky idea, but it, a, a, a good proof of concept, yeah. I suppose. Probably more stuff in the, uh, into immersion is cool. I think it's going to be cool to see like what, what changes happen over the next few years or, or I guess just over like the totality of our life, you know, like we're going to see so many changes in the the types of media that are made or, you know, we saw like the whole immersion of the video game industry just since we were little kids, right? Like, you know, when we mm-hmm. started on uh, Super Nintendos or something when we were like pretty, pretty young in the early nineties. And then now seeing it progress to so much of what it is now after like 25 years. Well, I mean, man, we, we are the last generation that can say we remember a time before the internet. Yeah. Yeah, it's really true. So I I work with a lot of like 20, 21 year olds and they don't, they don't remember a time without the internet. That's so insane. It's, it's crazy. Like I remember going outside and playing and, and (laughs) like, Oh, I have to walk to my friend's house so we can, uh, you know, go outside and do something. Yeah. I remember even just getting the internet to my house was a big deal because like when it was still 50, 56 K it was like, not, not that interesting you know it was like great or it was cool to like get to oh, but, I, was, but I was on it immediately i was like this is incredible i wanted it man i wanted it so bad i remember i i uh because my parents didn't have the internet i didn't know why they would need it so they didn't have it it was like 98 99 and i like was like so adamant to get 
internet. I really wanted to be on it. Early days, it sucked. It was just pop-ups everywhere, terrible browsers, super slow computers. But like I went out and I got that AOL disc and I like signed up under like fake credentials when I was pretty young. And no so, I could, way. so I could use those minutes to get online and like, I'd like jack, because it was through the phone modem, right? So I had a, like this little right. splitter by the uh, caller ID box back in like the 2000s and run that into my room, into the computer, into the modem and like try and log on. And that's like how I'd get online for a long time was uh, dial up, wow. dial up discs that you'd yank from AOL, try to use the minutes. And then like after like two months or whatever, you got to go on the phone for an hour and just try and jump through hoops to try and get out of your trial or whatever it is. But it was cool because a lot of times they'd be like, oh, before you cancel, how about you just get like another six months free? And you'd be like, yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow, they were really marketing that. They were pushing that. Oh, yeah, man. I was like, because it was it was all shifting over to uh, to the, the broadband side in uh, like the early 2000s. So they were like, oh, man, our business is toast. Just stay. Just try and stay, please. And, oh, man. Uh, but it was sweet, man. I was like 14. I was like, yeah, you got it. I'm in. I'll take this free internet. That'll be awesome. Uh, but I think like even into high school, that's like how I got online was, was like sneaking AOL discs and, or like sneaking <laughs> like weird, weird trial discs and trying to get on the internet dial up style. I remember like MySpace, man, the first couple of summers of MySpace, that was all, man, even the first years of YouTube. Oh, oh man. What a time. Hey, I was still on dial up a decade ago. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say one time, I mean, I wasn't. I remember everybody was like, yeah, get, get MySpace, get MySpace. And I finally ended up getting it. And then that's, that's about the time everyone jumped over to Facebook. And I was just like, I don't, this is silly. I saw then like how futile keeping up with like social media would eventually become. <laughs> yeah. In the, uh, in the regular way, I definitely see that it, I don't think that, one-on-one, it really has much value. I really don't. I don't think that it's a good way to keep in touch with the people that are my friends. I think that social media, however, does really come into its own and I think will evolve into its own over time when people start to kind of understand it better outside of how they talk to people they already know and can talk to. I think it's going to really blossom into a way and what, and what we've seen it's, you know, the early people who have been more successful or not successful, but have gotten more, of their goal out of it than what we have not to be uh, self aggrandizing and famous, but to communicate with different people all over the world. And I think that's kind of this really interesting aspect to Twitter and, uh, and to Instagram um, that like have that, that more worldwide community uh, stream effect. You know, I think that's a really cool part of the new media process that we've seen emerge um, after, I guess after 2005 or so is when I'd first say that we really start that, that really fast escalation when in just a few months, I remember the scene, you know, you see the world change over a couple of months and it's crazy, but it's a weird thing when you're in high school and you see that happen because you're not, or you're just so used to everything evolving that quickly, you know, like uh, you right. grow seven inches a year. It's not that uncommon. So, well, yeah, of course there's going to be a brand new invention the year that it would make sense for me to have it of having social media where I can contact all my high school friends or have having a video hosted website where everything I could imaginably want to see is available on demand for me to watch. You know, it was just a really cool time where we saw all these really cool emerging technologies happen just because the internet got fast enough uh, and the computer processing power is fast enough to have that exist, uh, you know, around us just that, that quickly. And then even five years after that, we see a half decade jump to, uh, to like the mobile technology, like three years after the iPhone had come out in 07. And then we have like three years of progression of that and Android being out, you know, in 2010 to 11 is when we saw Instagram come about. So when we see like all these big, um, these big application, I don't want to call it an industry, the but the application industry, the, the uh, <laughs> process of, uh, or just all the people that, you know, build apps and, and have, uh, networks associated and internet based businesses only through mobile applications. I think that was a really interesting shift that we saw uh, happen after just a couple of years. And then now we're another half decade in and we're kind of starting to see something else, but I can't really tell what it is yet. I don't know. It seems like it's kind of remained for a long time. So. Right. So we had, we had talked about this in, in uh, the last episode too, uh, about just how much uh, Instagram had, had gone from kind of like an app you use to, 
edit pictures to put them on other apps to like it's its own it's its own way to market yourself or other people or like a certain lifestyle or you know yeah. a way to market photos even um, yeah i think that's like true. professional level yeah i think it's a it, it's really true that we've seen that kind of press to uh uh this well it seems like marketers want to take advantage of everything. People who are yes. marketers, companies who intend to market their product, you know, they're all about trying to identify the new avenues, the new channels that they can place their content or place or build new content for that. I wish really the only caveat, the only exception, the only problem I have with this whole system is that they don't want to pay me more to be involved in it. Um, but the <laughs> marketers, marketers seem to like be just jumping on everything. So they jump on Twitter, they jump on Snapchat. Now I think is kind of that new ground vine and Snapchat and Periscope, I think are like that new yes. ground, that new territory, um, that, the, that is still really saturated with, um, I don't want to, uh, like just like regular people that are using it to kind of capture and share things in their life. And then we're seeing now Snapchat just over the last year kind of evolve into a little bit more of a marketing destination for some of these brands. Like you see those brands or those channels for Buzzfeed and comedy central and whatever vice or something, whatever the news things that are there, yeah. like they're, yeah. they're always kind of stuck there now. And so there's just these tendrils of the media, the, the larger media organizations or, or even just, uh, efforts of marketers who run companies who want to, you know, kind of get video out about their product or about whatever it is trying to promote themselves on Snapchat and on Vine, uh, and on Periscope to those people that are around them. But, uh, but I think it's right. interesting. It's just cool. as a side note though, who did, was it Facebook that just bought Snapchat not too long ago? Oh yeah. Um, I don't think Snapchat has been bought yet. I want to say that Facebook bought it and that's when we started seeing all the changes. I could be to- totally wrong though. I think but. I think Facebook has WhatsApp and I think they tried to buy Snapchat, but Snapchat said no because they're too they're too hot right now. Snapchat said no. <laughs> they, they it was like 4 billion dollars and they were like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Who, who needs Billions. 4 billion? Yeah, <laughs> Snapchat, but they they've like had like a, a record year. They said like I don't know, they said like sixteen billion video plays or something. It was just I don't, that's a made up number, but it was something insane. It was a huge amount, you know. And you think maybe they're only a couple seconds or something like that, but my goodness, that's a that's a lot going on. I don't know what they're making money on um, since I don't really yeah. see sponsored posts. Really, and I mean, I don't think like Vice and Comedy Central pay for Snapchat to exist. I don't know if that's that's what's happening, but it's got to be great exposure for those companies. And I think uh, it'll we'll probably see the same evolution on those networks too, where we see more and more um, uh, self promotion and personal development stuff, or or past personal development, but like company development happen on Snapchat, like where it's a, it's a directed video feed or photo feed that you intend to look at because you are, you are looking at the screen, holding the button, or you, you had that finite amount of time around it so that you want to see it and absorb it. And I think that that draw is what makes Snapchat work in the first place, but then it will oh, also yeah. be what makes Snapchat, um, a, a destination that could become fertile for marketers or for people that want to try and do high level, more professional content in a good way. And then also in the bad way that you can imagine too, we're going to see like in snap or like we've seen in Instagram, these, uh, more professional, professional, uh, you know, in that good way, right. Of like just more really cool accounts that are set up to show you the best images or a lot of good stuff, good feeds that you want to be, uh, you know, part of. Uh, and so I think we're going to see that kind of shift in Snapchat even more than maybe what it already is. I know there's like tons of accounts on Snapchat that I'm not even associated with, right? Like Vine is another world to me, man. I think I'm a decade too old for it. I don't know it. Like there's, there's some kid on Vine that has like 10 million people watches little videos. He's yeah, a, he's Vine. a star. He can't walk through a park without being recognized <laughs> by girls. Uh, it, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. Vine is one of those things that I never, I never got into and I don't, I don't really have a need to. Um, but I know, I know some of our, our, our friends who are, uh, a little bit older than us, they, they still got into it. I don't know. I, I, 
It makes sense to use it. There's a couple projects that I want to do with Vine. I want to try and find something good to use Vine for, but uh, but there's a saturation point for myself, like using social media, that I don't really want to be engaged in all of these different sites or in all these different communities, and I really need to try and cultivate some personal value for myself in just one of them, or right. just by, or just try and do something more honestly, like uh, or. Uh, try try to find people I want to talk to on the internet. Like we were talking about earlier, past my my close friends and family and people I used to know in college, um, you know, which is where the functionality or the usefulness for Facebook kind of ends for me is is like is that that kind of association. Um, I think it'll be cool with these these stream accounts like Twitter, where it's a, it's a giant stream. Everyone has access to everyone else's thing or like Instagram where it's not really intended to be private. It's a public stream that you see these photos, you post them. I think it's going to be cool to kind of get in there and find, like we talked about on that last uh, episode, the, just the, the people, other people, maybe kind of like myself who are pretty or interested in photography or, you know, interested in whatever subject and they work on that. They have their own projects with it, but not many people have really got a chance to see them yet, you know? And I think, uh, myself being a person who's interested in, in, you know, kind of looking at what I do, I want to try and find those other people that are sort of analogous to myself that are trying to work on stuff or trying to be photographers, you know, that are out there trying to put together projects. It'll be cool. And I think that's what these types of networks are a lot better for. Um, on Vine, it's a trip though, because it's like, it's such short video. I don't know if it's really come into a place where it's going to mature ever, like to something that's stronger. But I think for now, I'm just going to let it be. I think, uh, for, for the most part, the things that I want to use are the, the social media sites that allow you, um, well, I, you, you don't do this, I know, but, uh, I've found a ton of value in, in, in scheduling posts or in auto posting things like where I can set up things to go out over a period of time. I think it makes it so much easier, so much more manageable to try and get five or six things up on a social media site a day. And if it doesn't have that available, like Google plus or like vine or Periscope or uh, even Instagram in some ways, um, I, I guess I kind of shy away from, from using it with Instagram being the exception. So I don't know. It's uh, it's just kind of interesting to see like the evolution of social media. We were talking earlier about a decade ago, I was on dial up internet. Uh, YouTube had just come out. We just seen kind of all those big changes from the broadband broadband revolution and the push to, I think processors that were plus one gigahertz or, or dual core processors that, that all kind of evolved around the same time of 2005 and 2006. Um, and then kind of really ramping into 2007 and onward is when we saw that web 2.0, um, and I guess kind of more social internet really evolve and and develop, uh, right as we, uh, like I went up to school or right as I finished school. Um, and so it was a really interesting time being in your early twenties right then as, as Facebook occurs, I think it was a cool, we're lucky, Dave. We're really fortunate that we live exactly on the mark of the years where everything kind of accounts out for us. Like we're the same age as Harry Potter when Harry Potter or, you know, like as that came out, we were the age of the experience of the book on the day, you know, on the time that it came out. I think that was right. like, it was just kind of an interesting, uh, set up or chain of events for like MySpace came out in 2005 when we like just kind of hit our sophomore years, sophomore, junior years of high school when, and that's the first time you really start to begin being social with people or starting to meet people and interact with people. Um, and so it was kind of interesting, like, you know, the same month you get your driver's license is the same month that like MySpace is invented, you know, or, or, you know, or, or like the same, uh, same year I go to college is the same year that Facebook like really, explodes in college and it's cool. You know, it's fun. Like having, uh, just kind of being in the time and of the pace of, you know, when you're young and school to kind of see these technologies evolve and see how, uh, how things kind of evolve with it or the, the other elements, the other industries, the way that culture kind of reacts to these things kind of now being available. Well, you had kind of mentioned it, uh, cause that was about the time that I got my license. So I, I, I feel like I, I didn't fully jump on, the uh the social media bandwagon because i was so like into the fact that i could drive that i could actually go places um or or just even working on our vehicle you know i'm i mean i remember working on your call vista with you you know the old vista the, the old vista doing the the speaker wires and stuff and and i i was always kind of trying to do stuff with my car um it's funny because once justin uh 
really showed me that like it's easy to do your own stuff because he had installed his own stereo and I was like, there's no way I can do that. That's impossible. He's like, no, you just do it. <laughs> so, so I was, I, I, I kind of got more into that aspect of it and jumped on later with a lot of the social uh, media stuff. So uh, I don't know. I, I've always kind of had this weird reluctance for it. I'm sure you, you've noticed that I had a, Twitter oh, yeah. account for a couple of years before I ever posted anything. Oh on yeah, it. I remember. <laughs> I remember telling you about Twitter back in like 2007. Like I told everybody, yeah. get get Twitter. Get Twitter. Nobody and I didn't. knew, I just man. Sat there. Nobody even knows about Twitter track. <laughs> Nobody even knows. That was back. That was back when Barack Obama was running for president. He was the number one most followed person on Twitter, and he had. 60,000 followers on Twitter. And that was big news. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Brock, man. Wow. He was, uh, he's the first presidential candidate to, to jump on, uh, social media as a method of, uh, of doing campaigning. And, uh, yeah, he exploded, man. It was, it was weird to see. Cause you'd see like, uh, just a few, like the, the tech insiders and broadcasters and stuff of the year is pre, is pretty like any celebrities or any people in LA kind of being familiarized with Twitter. And uh, I think Ashton Kutcher was the first guy in the celebrity circle to jump over to Twitter. And then it just took off in 2009. That's when Twitter just totally ramped up and took off, um, you know, during that period. And that's, uh, that's kind of after the president's move. And I think like that's when it, it pushed up toward like 500,000 followers is the max. And then I think a million in like 2010. And then now, I don't know, you look at uh, Alan DeGeneres has like, 11 million or 25 million or whatever it is. Jesus. And yeah, it's just off the, off the charts now. So yeah, it's weird to see that the progression though. It's strange, but I think that, um, we were talking a little bit about how we've been watching this progression now. I mean, I think you and I have sort of a, an understanding of it for maybe the last, I'd say 20 years. Maybe if we look at 1995 to 2005 as a mark, and then now to 2015 as a mark, um, we see kind of that how much it jumps over decade over decade or the progress that you, it's under, it's strange. How you, I think it's been said like you, uh, you overestimate your abilities or the goals you'll complete over the course of one year, but you underestimate the goals you complete over 10 years. I think it's kind of peculiar if you think about that, but just like the huge jumps sure. that we had, like I was on dial up 10 years ago. I didn't have dial up at all or a computer in 1995 i was a little kid you know but <laughs> but man uh, even that itself shows that things change you age things kind of progress it's really strange um but it seems like slow so to now, think about that oh sorry go ahead dave well uh, i was going to kind of veer us into another direction so if you got well i was going to say uh to kind of look at to look at the last two decades and how much has changed i think it's going to be cool looking forward or looking ahead the next decade and then the, the next two decades after that, um, you know, like how many changes or what kind of progression our society, our culture, our technology is going to take over that period too. I mean, just looking at the five-year jump from five years ago before dubstep to now where we, where there's Instagram and wait, there was before dubstep. I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's not, it's outrageous to even consider that. Um, but <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like, you know, you think, uh, you think five years ago, it was like, it was like just, just starting like Instagram, just starting of, you know, the, some of the modern cultural stuff that we're seeing this decade. And then, uh, and it's weird to think like five years from now, where are we going to be at? What kind of stuff are we going to be invested in? Where are we going to like see or culturally, socially invested in? It's just going to be strange to see how that kind of evolves or how quickly it changes or in 10 years, you know, what kind of stuff we're going to be doing. Well, and that, and that kind of brings up the point I was going to get to is like, to, do, do you think there's maybe a, a cap on it? Do you think it's ever going to reach kind of a point where it maybe slows down? Because, I mean, I, I understand, you know, Moore's Law and all that stuff, but yeah. it, it just seems, it seems like, like we're going to reach a point where there's just too much or like, I don't know, because it seems to me like people you know, not everyone can afford to have cable, you know, it, oh, yeah. is it going to get to kind of, kind of that point where it's, I don't know, like we can't, like we were talking about the virtual reality stuff, like that's going to be massively expensive. Um, I mean, it's obviously going to drop as time goes on and stuff, but yeah, I understand what you're saying though. How, how much different was that, you know, from, 
from when it first started to to where it's going to be in the future. There's a couple. It seems like as it grows exponentially, so does the cost of it almost, you know? Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Like, it's just uh, an endless amount of things to kind of invest in or be a part of now. Mm-hmm. I I wonder what that'll be like for the for the developing world. And I'm curious to see how that kind of evolves over the next century. I had f- figured that there would be huge advancements culturally in a lot of the third world countries that that would start being industrialized, like I guess maybe more specifically a place like India where, um, where India could turn into a superpower, you know, it could, it could just rejuvenate its economy over the next uh, century. You know, we'd see in like 20, 2070, we're like, Oh man, India. Little little side note. I do, I do see a lot of industry and stuff going to the East. I think that's, I think there's like a wave of progression that kind of, you know, started in, in Eastern Europe and Middle East and, and hit, uh, you know, Greek and, and Roman, and then it went up to kind of the, the European Union, and then it shifted over to America, and now a lot of that seems to be going, you know, west even more, but so yeah. that's kind of a side note. Yeah, like now into now into China, like I think I, I remember seeing pictures, maybe it was last year, it was like a Shanghai in, in the 80s, and then Shanghai today, and it was like insanely different. Every skyscraper yeah. is just boop, right there. There you go. <laughs> And, Absolutely, and I hear they're 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 just kind of in wild west development mode themselves right now too, where they're just like they're they're just jamming their economies going, they're trying to move stuff, they're trying to build uh, financial districts in their cities, they're trying to really develop stuff, and they have so much of a population that I think that it it really just demands that they move through that much stuff. But the strange thing is, there's this is a thing I haven't really understood about China is like there's mass poverty there, or the the there's going to be a lot of people that have more money than you or I do, right? Like there's going to be that many number more of people in that category also. But since they're like three times bigger than the United States, um, I mean, there's going to be like a ton of people that are way poorer than us too, that aren't yeah. really being able to, to, to be man or to work or to have opportunity in that country. So it'll be strange to see how that kind of a, changes or, or what kind of changes economically are going to happen. But I think as technology goes or socially, like how we communicate, how we work together, I think it'll be strange to see over the next few years, like, I don't know, I have this feeling like, what's the best way to explain this? I was thinking of Africa. Okay. So in Africa, um, and in those areas, they've just, they've leapfrogged a lot of the other comp- companies or countries. They've leapfrogged a lot of the other Western nations that, uh, that all developed their networks and their, their networking systems and their communications infrastructure back in the nineties when it was all a wired infrastructure. Um, and that cost billions of dollars at the time. And so now with wireless technology or with like these new pieces of, uh, of telecommunications, um, stuff, they can, they can add those networks in for a far, I don't know, smaller cost than what they were, they had to do in the 1990s to put in the fiber optic lines. So I think it was Rwanda um, after after the genocide that took place. I think Rwanda's new government was kind of uh, reconstructed to to build things up quickly and to try and get infrastructure built in quickly. And I think it's also because of a lot of it. Chinese development, uh, that's going, that's going on in some places, but they've, uh, they've laid in like tons of new fiber optic lines in the country and they've laid in tons of new high speed wireless, uh, like cell phone internet connection, um, stuff in the area. So they, they just like jumped straight over like the cabled internet connection or the telephone line internet connection because they just never had to pay for or build that infrastructure. And so I think, uh, in that way, we're going to see people just move straight to mobile phones. We're going to see countries move straight to smartphones. They're not going to have the experience of having like the desktop computer system. And so, yes, you're right. That class of technology, like the desktop computer, um, that's going to remain, um, more difficult to get or it won't be as accessible to people in the third world, but they will be able to get a hold of, I think a lot of this, uh, this really, um, I don't know, well marked or, you know, uh, well priced, um, computing technology that's like mobile based that uh, people can get in these, uh, these third world countries and inexpensive data plans so they can get access to the internet and get access to the type of education and media content that's available through that. Interesting. Yeah. And I, um, that kind of that makes sense. That yeah. rings true to me. I've always like what we were, we were talking about your house and how it's not really wired up to to take so much power. It's kind of oh, that right. thing where nations that are developing now are going to be more set to manage and deal uh, with with changing and rising 
technological situations. Um, I think like Soul. I think it's Soul. Um, yeah, they've they've exploded, um, and they've got they've got just I believe they've got just crazy amounts of internet, just all wired. Like everybody has just like oh, no 40, 40 megabytes a second, like no problem. It's just that's like the yeah, that's what I, that's what I hear. Yeah, yeah. in these places, it's you just know? insanely like because that's that's what i'm saying too is um that's because the united states built their infrastructure when the newest thing the best thing was slow to today's standard or today's understanding of it we all we're kind of crippled or or, uh we're on a crutch from the technology that was in the 90s you know that uh that we that we first put in that we can't afford to replace yet or we can't we can't feel that limits us or that it's going to limit us do you do you see uh no it it won't as soon as it's economically a reason to push past that we'll push past we'll push past it when that when that happens but it's just not necessary for us to do so right now so there's it's not incentivized to us it's like it's kind of like that business thing, or like i don't know you buy a lawnmower you know and you, you own that lawnmower and the next year a new model of that lawnmower comes out but you really just want to use your lawnmower until it breaks right you just want to kind of keep that for year over year to recoup your cost of it to kind of get the value out of it to keep it up with it to kind of work on it a little bit but then you know 15 20 years down the line or something then you'll get the new one but you don't need to get the new one every year <laughs> right <laughs> and well uh, but what what's crazy though is, is with technology we're we're taught though like oh you don't have the newest thing you're a loser that's oh iphone 5 what are you in the yeah. stone age yeah, that'll be an interesting thing to work out. Uh, I think, especially because of all the rare earth materials that go into a lot of the technology oh, that we're God. we're building right now, and soon, like I mean, let's say two hundred years from now, we're still going to want to make technology. I hope, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and then we're going to be out of it. We've like, oh well, we dug it up all in the nineties, and we built crappy phones that are in a landfill now. <laughs> uh, well, dude, save your phones because that's going to be the new resource in the future. Oh yeah, man. You know, I'll, I'll yeah, it's going to be like a gold brick. Out. They're going to be like, yeah. oh, oh, we need to burn this or, you know, melt it down at all its different components. We'll recycle it, get all the silicone out of it. There's already people that do that. Just junkyards yeah. that melt down that tiny bit of gold and make a profit off of Gotta it. Gotta get that gold. Gotta get that gold, man. <laughs> get that gold, man. Um, but yeah, it's really strange. It's going to be a, a trip to see how things progress in other nations, but then also in the in the United States too, or in uh, in like a lot of the first world nations like in, in Western Europe and, and Asia too. I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how they, they kind of change over the next decade or so of, uh, of using a lot of technologies. Um, but I think they have access to a lot of it as it is right now. I think censorship is going to be interesting. And I think oh, kind no. of, uh, see, so I've talked about this before with maybe a couple other people, probably on this, this little podcast trying to pontificate on things. Um, but I was, I was thinking about, uh, back in the days of the printing press and now we're in faster cycles. Things kind of move faster. People get to communicate messages back and forth faster. So maybe it'll be at a little different timing, but to, but to kind of think of this analogously as I, that's not where, but as I explain it back in, uh, the 14, 80s right wasn't it uh the 1480s that uh the gutenberg invented the printing press and sounds then, about right i should let's google it google let's see we, we live in the future oh those clicking sounds are like perfect they sound exactly like <laughs> clicking sounds uh let's see i think i'm looking at 1440 Printing press began um, approximately 1436. I've got 36, 1436. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was thinking about um, like the development of the printing press. And then over the next century, we saw all these changes culturally that were kind of tangential to how the printing press affected culture, affected society in Europe when it was, when it was invented. Um, so uh, we see... Um, Gutenberg invented the printing press. And then we see later Martin Luther, uh, kind of, uh, read and then print, um, the, the true information in the Bible before, before the Catholic church would allow you to read it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, and so that caused the Protestant reformation that happened, uh, I think in like 1520, um, and so I was thinking about that kind of analogously to the way that the internet or the way that, uh, let's say like computer technology has come into place. Like if we, if we kind of swap out printing press with computer or, uh, and then kind of the, 
the change culturally that that's going to make over the century, the kind of um, the reformation or the revolution that's going to happen after that, you know, like after the 80 years after that thing had been built for us, you know? So I'm thinking like, you know, we're going to see, we might not even have seen the big change that the computer revolution has brought to society. So in a thousand years, you've brought that up before too. Yeah. Yeah. In a thousand years, when we look back, uh, historically of like the notes that we talk about, you know, like we talk about in, in 1436, Gutenberg created the printing press and then Martin Luther kind of the next beat is a hundred years later. And then Martin Luther, you know, had, uh, this, uh, or like had this, uh, list of stuff that was printed. And then that kind of led to a lot of the reformation stuff that happened after that. Um, right. and so it'll be interesting to see like maybe in like 2020 or 2030 when we see the big change, like, Oh man, that whole government just fell because well, of I mean, something you, you can track back of, to the internet. Yeah. You even think of the American revolution. Um, you know, they being able to mass print stuff like that, you know, even change the outcome of that situation, arguably. Um, so yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. hundred, 200 years from now, the internet could still make an impact far greater than, than we see now. But do you think by the very nature of what the internet is, just that instant communications that we've, we've maybe shortened that, you know, that possible window of, yeah. of, oh yeah, you know, a hundred years from now, it'll do something crazy. Like we've brought it to, to right now. Cause it, it is instant communication. That's, yeah, no, I really, I really agree with you. I just think, um, there's going to be that communication element that's now instant. And I, I'm confident to say that, that, that big event, that big next thing, like, um, now the United States government doesn't exist. That's that story or like that, that like historical <laughs> point, you know, because, story. because the internet happened, the United States is gone. Mm. That, like that, that, that other thing that happens now, like then we made a thing on the internet, like the, like right. the nature of statecraft changed or the world Ooh. power structure evolved. Right. You can, you can say like an Arab Springs that, you know, that's already, I happened. think that's a, that's a beginning of it, but I think that that's almost fomented or that's like almost, um, I think that that is the, the type of change I'm talking about, right? Like the people now have the internet, the people know more things the people have communicated with each other. The people decided what they want from their government. They don't want that. They rise up, they kind of move that sort of stuff out, but now there's still all this chaos of it. And so maybe we see the first round of it as being in the Arab spring. And then, and then later we'll see a huge revolution in Europe or a huge revolution in India, like we talked about, or, you know, and whatever it is that kind of culturally changes things or um, just sort of uh, resets everything historically is what we understand the nature of power to be between the different nations that are around. Um, I think that'll be cool and probably frightening for us to observe over the next century. I don't don't think we'll ever see Europe fall though. No, I don't, I, mean, I don't think, so. I don't think, so. not in that way. Solid. I just mean, um, more just like historical event. I mean, I guess Europe was there before the printing press and after the printing press, but it was like different, you know? Um, so it'll be cool to, I don't know. It'll be, it's, or it's just sort of an interesting, uh, thing to kind of conceptually think about. Uh, it was, uh, or just kind of, it's a trip, man. It's, it's weird. It's going to move fast on us. Well, and this is, the dark side of this though you you had mentioned censorship censorship earlier um i think that is a very dangerous threat and i think it could very well squash whatever greater um you know human endeavor might come from the internet no i'm with you there's something people should watch out for there's this other effect too and it's so strange how how so many things intertwine with themselves culturally to kind of create history as a sort of as we're as we're on the zipper kind of pulling it open and we see kind of every moment sort of unfold against itself it's it's strange to see i guess how that's taking place or or what that is but i think we're gonna we're gonna go through different waves of of censorship and i think um I guess I would call it like physical censorship. There's going to be that, which, which might be more closely related to what China is doing right now, where it blocks you from being able to view certain sites and you want to go see those sites. It blocks you from seeing those sites. But I think there's this more insidious type of censorship that we're going to see and are seeing express itself really very widely. And unfortunately through the 
the millennial group, the millennial class of people that are here are our age group or a lot of those people in our age group um, that are going through this more insidious type of censorship that's going to be more thought control type or more politically correctness based censorship where like what we're seeing evolve what we're seeing evolve on all these college campuses right now um, where these students are are outraged over different racial incidences that that may or may not be that i don't want to say that founded i mean there's there's i'll let that issue be but but the effect or or how that's attached to that college's dean and what that person's responsible for, or if they should or should not have their job next week. It seems like a weird evolution of uh, the way that people are, are being able to talk to each other or the expression of free ideas that's happening in higher education right now. It seems like it's going to be difficult to be anything but culturally appropriative or, or uh, just perfectly politically correct in every move and motion that you have. And I think it's a really dangerous environment for a lot of young people to be in, you know, in the sixties in the late sixties, we had these peace movements, these liberal movements, but really there was a push for in that freedom and freedom of speech, freedom yes. of, of expression and these ideas that were being restrained. And I think it's, it's strange to see now all of those people who so wanted that when they were our age twist around. And then now it's our young people asking for censorship or asking for this, uh, sort of unnaturally tame racial, um, I guess, I don't know if it, I don't even mean to say equality because I think that's, that's a word used to explain something that, that, that phrase, racial equality means that, but there's this sort of tameness between uh, the way that people are trying to interact with each other, what they can and can't say with each other. And I think, um, I think that kind of environment is what we're really going to see as the, as the racism or excuse me, not the racism, but the, uh, uh the word's probably gone for me, uh, but the censorship that we're going to see, um, you know, across America and especially in Europe too. I think there's, there's already a lot of stuff that's associated with the racism with, uh, with the Syrian immigrants that are coming across the border. Um, even though, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's things that that state has to talk about the citizens of that state have to deal with. And it's you know going to be culturally relevant, whether they're of that race or another race that can they accept another 8 million people into their economy, that sort of thing. Um, and I think that, or whatever it is on our college campuses where we can't say he or she because they're microaggressions or, or whatever they are, or they need safe rooms or it's a trigger warning or whatever, or all that stuff. It's going to be really strange. I think that evolution culturally is also from the internet. And I think that's going to be a thing that affects our country politics or our, um, kind of cultural norm for a long time is, is whatever kind of strange and sort of twisted thinking that is. But the good news is, is we're going to cycle a lot of times and probably fairly quickly. Like we were just talking about, it seems like that cycle period is shortened a little bit. I can't disregard the, the social impact that a president has. I think we're still going to be in America. I think we're still going to be on a four or eight year cycle. Like our country got a lot of a certain way during president Bush. I think our country got a lot of a certain way during president Obama. I think our country will also continue to have whatever characteristics are emoted uh, or imputed from the next president. I think those are going to be absorbed by and then included into whatever sort of tension that person has in their political discourse is going to be the political or the tension that we experience in our civil discourse. Like if Hillary gets in, let's say right now Obama is in office, there's a lot of concern about racial equality, racial issues. If Hillary gets into office, my belief is under what I little understand about political science is we're going to see the culture absorb a lot more of the goals of, of sexism or of sexual equality or feminism. And I think that, uh, that it'll just be interesting to see how that sort of shapes and, and controls the, the kind of big magnet of the way that people go in the United States over the next uh, four or eight years. I, I completely agree. I'm, I, th- I thought it was cool that you saw a lot of the same, uh, or that 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 flip from from liberal wanting freedom of speech to to no give us censorship tell us what to do <laughs> it's just that was a funny thing i noticed too throughout yeah. my yeah i want to understanding i don't get it man i don't want to have that <laughs> but uh I don't know. It's, it's weird, man. It's a strange, it's a strange thing. We're going to be in strange times, uh, kind of sorting out everything that, uh, that's been happening, but, uh, but it'll be, it'll be weird to see it roll. And this is what I meant by, by seeing a roll is, you know, if let's say Trump gets in, 
we're going to see that character take over the, <laughs> predominantly the way that the United States exists in the world. Uh, and that's kind of the, just how the presidentship works in the United States. I, is, is I understand. Um, but with like a charismatic or powerful personality like that, I think uh, there's a lot of that that would happen. But I think we're going to go back to soon, whether Trump or not, I think we're going to go back to a far more John Wayne style of existing than what we're kind of going through right now. I think there's a lot of... Um, uh, soft, or I don't know if I want to say softness, but there's uh, just kind of a certain characteristic right <laughs> no, now. Right. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot um, of fools and cowards in the world. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that, and then and then more than that, there's like this. Um, I guess uh, I don't know. There's just this, yeah, just that kind of thing of like, hey, this is a microaggression. You're like, what? No. Stop. You're strong. Not- You're a strong person. Don't, you don't need to worry about that. And I think that that kind of idea is going to come back or, um, or if even bringing it kind of cycling back to our social media and what we use or how much we use it or how many people, um, sort of think it's relevant. I think that that's going to shift too. I think that this is going to be the decade known as the decade where we really invested in that, but then culturally it'll kind of roll off a little bit as other things sort of have, um, you know, where oh, there's just a lot of people that, Oh, I don't even really experience that part of the internet anymore. Or I don't, I don't communicate like that, you know, with people anymore. Um, or there might be like kind of some shift more culturally to go back to, like we've kind of seen this year a little bit. This is the first year I've seen a people sat like sacrificing, cutting themselves off from their smartphone. They're saying, Hey, I'm done with it. I've had it for the period of time I've had it. And I'm just going to go back to basic calls because it is like an addiction. It's consuming. It's too much. It's unhealthy. I think there might be some of that for a while. This kind of, uh, I don't know. I don't know. What is it? So. What is a term for that? There is a word that describes it. That is one I don't know, but, um, but the, the kind of system of, of just kind of going back to a more simple structure or more simple setup of, uh, of living or of just not being engaged in or not being connected 24 seven. I think we're probably going to see it strangely. I think we'll probably see it. Well, I could be wrong about it, but in the Bay area is what I'd see is like, uh, where, where it began is going to be the first place where it kind of starts to crumble or starts to fall apart or where people are going to really be uncomfortable with what they've sort of created. So I think we might see like a backlash kind of develop out of that. Or maybe that's what we saw kind of come out of Portland. We saw a lot of the, uh, technology literate side come out of the San Francisco area. But then a few years after that, after that web 2.0 tech boom, we've sort of had this boom in Portland, um, where, I think I was just talking about, um, Oregon hit 4 million people, um, which is nothing. That's like 1% of the population (laughs) in the United States, but it's the total state and everybody lives in Portland. Nobody lives in this entire state and it's cool. Um, and so it's going to be, it's just weird that that, that that's happened or that like, that's just now like how many people are here. It's, it's just super strange. Oregon's a, Oregon's a different place, man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's true um so it, yeah it'll just be it'll be a trip to see how things evolve but thanks dave man we uh we did a full hour podcast man i really appreciate you uh you skyping me in again you sound really good tonight on the on uh, this headset or, or mic or whatever it is you're uh you're you're skyping in with uh, the old the old samsung galaxy note 2 huh yeah classic there you go man it's a good one, but, uh, yeah, you're sounding good. And, uh, we got to do a few more of these podcasts, uh, coming up soon. We, uh, we didn't even get to this stuff about, uh, like Instagram I, I stuff, and, say. um, <laughs> about like off-road stuff, light stuff. So, uh, we'll kind of sort that out and, uh, I don't know, you should, we should produce some stuff for the next just, show or we should yeah, just have, us, have more an show opportunities really. Oh yeah. Boom. Endless, endless opportunities, endless. Dave. Uh, so <laughs> Uh, you can find uh, more of my stuff out at billynewmanphoto.com. You can follow me at Billy Newman and you can follow Dave. Where can they follow you at? What's your Twitter, ha- Twitter handle? Oh, my Twitter handle. Man, or whatever. What do you want to say, man? Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm DS underscore diggity, D-I-G-G-I-T-Y. Um, just some basic, basic do-it-yourself stuff on there and just some fun photos. Uh, you can also email me at daveswanson.inc at gmail.com. I believe my Twitter handle is Camaro diggity at live.com. Is that, I think you can use emails to <laughs> Twitter people. Use out. it all Dave. <laughs> um, Dave, we got to get you a website. We got to get you like Dave Swanson.net or something cool. 
<laughs> I'll put up, a, I'll build it for you, man. I'll put up a bunch of pictures of you or of like professional. What's, what's funny is you have pictures of me that I don't even know exist. Oh, that's probably true. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've, <laughs> I've probably taken some that I haven't shown you. Probably because they're just not, or, you know, some of them, some of them I do wrong. Um, but yeah, I should find those photos and I'll throw them up and make a, make a sweet, sweet Dave site for you. I think it'd be cool, man. But, uh, but yeah, cool. thank you guys for, uh, for tuning in this time and, uh, tune in again. You can check out billynewmanphoto.com forward slash podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes if you would, and we'll see you again next time. Bye everybody. <laughs>